ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to These Go to 11. Once again, I'm Nathan Bell, your host. Greg Dutch is sitting across from me and Steve Hartland in the house. Howdy. Guys, how y'all doing today? Doing good, man. Doing happy, good. Happy to be here. It's always fun. Good to have you back, Greg. We were just talking about this. It has actually been a full month yeah. since we've been together podcasting. Yep. We're recording this January 4th. And like you said, it was December 4th yep. that we recorded... Um, not in sequence, but the right. podcast with Matt Smith on Christmas music. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, I've missed it. I know. Really, really know. missed it. I mean, hopefully our listeners didn't miss a beat because we right. had one coming out every Tuesday through the season. And it was it was fun to kind of check in and I'd listen to it. And say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot we talked about that. Right, right. Um, it's good to be back here, man. Yep. Really good. Yeah. And Steve, how are you doing today? Great. I, uh, I have the sense that real life has commenced again after <laughs> Christmas and New Year's and I, you know, I, I don't know how it is for everybody else, but for me as a pastor this year, Christmas was kind of outrageous. There was a lot of stuff going on. Wow. Yeah. Glad it's in the rearview mirror. Steve, I'm just glad we thought you might be in debtor's prison today. <laughs> yeah. uh, of those, I should be. Because of those 10, ten oh, people, man. 10 grandchildren Steve's oh, got. I, I really have to establish a budget yeah. for grandchildren <laughs> presents next year. Something tells me they don't uh, want you to. I don't think my wife wants me to either. Yes, but yes. What uh, what do they call you, Steve, your grandkids? Do they, are you Papa, uh, Grandpa? No, I'm, I'm Grandpa. Grandpa. Plain old Grandpa. grandpa. That's cool. Yeah, That's I love cool. it. And Debbie is Grandma? She is. She's grandma. Okay, good, yeah. good. So none of them, no mom's, me mall. No, what we have is on the other side. That will be a mom, mom or somebody. Right. So we got the grandma, grandpa names. That's how uh, yeah. my parents do it. Grandma yeah. and grandpa, mom, mom and pop up on the other side. You know, I just had this idea today, too. I was thinking about, we have 10 grandkids. So uh, most of them are boys, but the oldest girl, Kate, is about six. She's red-haired. I really love her. Love her. She's feisty and athletic. And I was thinking, she's old enough now. I wonder if I could make a weekly call to Kate. Wow. And she and I would just talk for a little while. I'm going to ask yeah. her mommy and daddy if that'd be all right. Oh, that is so I cool. I would love man. that. That is so cool, Steve. I bet yeah. she would love yeah. that too. I think she would. Yeah. yeah. Plus, you can learn all kinds of stuff about, you know, her parents. Your son. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you ask the right question, you get a real inside Except track. She talks so fast, I'll get like one third of what <laughs> yeah, she says. No. Plus, if I, if I give her a call every week from now till next Christmas, she won't hate me when I, when I kill the Christmas budget. <laughs> yes. She gets nothing. Yes. Yeah. Um, I just want to say, since uh, Nathan, people are listening, not mm-hmm. seeing, Steve is in his like muscle tank top, ready to yeah. go to the gym after re- we record. Ooh. You are wearing like man's clothes because you've been <laughs> helping your cousin flip a house. <laughs> and I'm uh, I'm sitting over here in very clean <laughs> what, clothing. What is that shirt? <laughs> oh, dude, that's my Breaking Bad Vomino's Pest oh, Control. Oh, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. amazing. Do you remember that? That's that was, nice. um, I don't know, season four, three or four, where they, uh, for some reason, can't use their mobile unit to... Uh-huh. Make their product, uh-huh. and so they uh, they come up with a brilliant idea to tent a house like a pest control <laughs> oh, company. Oh yes, Do you remember I remember that. That uh-huh. it was Vomino's pest control. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. So Lisa and I saw that one time and said, "Boom, gotta have it. Gotta get that shirt, huh?" There it is, man. Nice, pretty so wild. It's a, a little Breaking Bad thing. It's got a little <laughs> pest running away. Yes. Hey, you know what we should put out to our listeners? I had a dream. I had a dream. Oh no, here uh, it goes. A long time ago, it was probably six months ago. This would be my dream for this podcast. Mm-hmm. I would love. To interview Brian Cranston, Walter White. Now, I know, right? What are the odds? Some faith-based little swing for the moon, small brother. podcast. Well, why not? You almost say, "Hey, Brian Cranston, That's evangelical right. Christians that love Breaking Bad, would you consider throwing us one pro bono appearance on this podcast?" That's right. I just want to say it now. Hey, weirder things have happened. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's going to happen, dude? It's probably Calvin as Batman hears this, and he's going to get Brian Craig. He's going to do it. He's calling him right now. You're calling him, aren't you, Bruce? <laughs> he's got him on speed dial. I guarantee you, I'm going to be seeing something. Hey, you'll never guess what? Brian Cranston. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so we'll see what happens, man. But it'd uh, be never, great. You never know. Something, something could get thrown our way. You could, could sue him for theft of intellectual property. Yes! Yes, timestamp this podcast. That's right. Uh-huh. Timestamp it so <laughs> we have it. it when we take it to our judicial system. That's right. Say. We'll be ready to go. Just, just kidding you, Bruce. But <laughs> if you do get them, don't ever tell me about it. <laughs> we don't want to know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is January, and Greg and I have decided we're going to – we did a hot topic month back in uh, June. Yep. And that was so great. We got so much positive feedback on that. We wanted to do another one. And so we're doing a uh, fireside. Yeah, a fireside topic. month. Or uh, I think in baseball they call it hot stove. 
There you because, go. you know, this is the off-season for baseball. Contracts start getting mm-hmm. offered and free agents move around and everything, and they call it the hot stove month. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's cold, so it's hot stove month. <laughs> That's right. Just don't put your hand on the stove. Yes. Yes. Um, so we're going to be talking today specifically about um, we, we all come from more reformed background, um, or at least we are more reformed now. now yeah. um, and so at one point in time, I'm sure the thought and idea of um, can you lose your salvation came up. I know I grew up um, thinking and believing that, yes, it was possible to lose your salvation. Really? That was your background. That was my background. Um, and – so the question is, what do we do with our believing friends who who think you can lose your salvation? Is this a, a major uh, contention in Scripture that that should uh, or d- it, it does divide clearly because yeah. we ha- we have different denominations that believe this? Um, but should this divide? Is this something serious enough that um, it should divide us? Can we call this belief heresy? Uh, based on what the Bible says, and um, we're we're just going to kind of explore that today and yeah. see see where it goes. So, um, Greg, we're going to actually start with you today. Give us your background in this a little bit. Uh, yeah, actually, pretty similar to yours, Nathan. Um, again, when I came to Christ uh, through Matt Smith and his uh, witness to me and his friendship with me, I mean, we were, as we've said before, almost spiritual orphans. My parents were not believers. His parents at that time were not believers. Uh, but uh, they were church folks, but I think came into a real vital um, salvation experience later. So, uh, you know, in many ways, we're just 16-year-old kids kind of wandering through um, the uh, haunted halls of liberal Protestantism, mm-hmm. which we, we found out later. Matt and I have talked about that on a, a previous podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I don't know if I ever would have articulated it in my earliest years, 16, 17, as a young Christian kid. But yeah, I believed you could lose it. Mm-hmm. And then um, when I got to college and I met a couple of guys that were Calvinists, that intuitively was just, to me at that time, wrong. Well, no, that can't be right. That's <laughs> you know not fair. And uh, mm-hmm. a lot of the common uh, objections that people have when, when they first encounter something like that. So that actually drove me to want to theologically cement my kind of instinctive position, mm-hmm. which was at that time that you choose it and you can lose it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I uh, discovered a guy named John Wesley, believe that. So the first really theological purchase I ever made was John Wesley's notes on the Bible. I was mm-hmm. like 19. I, I don't even know where I got it at the time. I found it in a Christian bookstore somewhere. It was a one-volume thing. And I would read all the passages that seemed to suggest it, like in Hebrews 6 or mm-hmm. um, you know, other places that uh, talk about falling away and um, you know, would, would read that. So I, for a period of time, until I was about 20, I mean early 20s, mm-hmm. believed that you could lose your salvation. And then um, through just listening to people, pretty quickly I realized, hey, you, you can't lose yeah. it. Uh, and you know, just the relevant passages to me, the one that, you know, everybody's different that slam dunked it for me, um, was the Romans eight passage, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, whatever you think of predestination in that passage, the whole idea is of a finished thought, mm-hmm. you know, you're, there's predestined, there's foreknowledge, there's called justified and glorified. Um, and so if glorified is past tense, I remember a guy at campus crusade for Christ, giving a little devotional from Romans 8 one night, said, man, guys, in God's mind, it's done. Mm. We're safe. And I remember thinking, yeah, that's right. I can't refute that. There's no, there's no escape clause yeah. in that. You know, if you're justified, you will be glorified. It was a done deal. So for a long time then, I was, uh, I always say, free will on the front end mm-hmm. uh, and eternal security on the back end, mm. which is, I think, would represent, sorry, Dave Shive, if you're listening pretty much Dave's view right? Uh, as the way he's articulated it in the past. And then eventually, you know, I had a better understanding, in, in my opinion, of what is called reform theology right. and the full sovereignty of God from beginning, middle, and end. Um, so I, I do remember arguing it, but I look back on it now, and I'll just say to raise the stakes a little bit, at the risk of being too melodramatic, it, it almost feels like a different faith. Mm-hmm. than where I am now. 
yeah. uh, the thought that salvation could be lost <clears throat> is terrifying to me now. And I almost can't believe I ever believed it. Yeah. But that's that's my background on it. And yeah. You Steve? Steve? Now that I heard both of you talk, I think I'm going to leave the room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't be around <laughs> us. That's right. Yeah. Now, I, I come from a totally different background. So uh, much like you, Greg, I was converted as a, a young high school guy. I was 17. But uh, the, the church into which I was saved and the Bible college that I was sent to one year later were very firmly, if not reformed, they were very firmly uh, eternal security right. mm. folks. So that's all I ever heard from the beginning, believed yeah. it, have always believed it, yeah. never struggled with it, never doubted it. I had some challenges like, what in the world does Hebrews 6 mean? Right. Uh, right. And, and some other passages. But no, it's always been pretty firmly held for me. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So did you meet and interact with people that believe differently at any point? I think I have, but I've never had any serious interactions gotcha. with anybody. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, and you haven't shared. What changed it for you, Nathan? Yeah, it was um, – that's a good question. I think it was around the time I was teaching because that's actually around the time where I really cemented my Reformed theology was yep. teaching. Yep. Um, I had students who could argue the free will position and I – argued the free will position, but I wanted to challenge them. I wanted them to think outside the box. I wanted them to be able to understand and appreciate other believers for their views. And so I started arguing that other side and really digging in scripture and was like, oh, I I actually believe this. Yeah, <laughs> uh, right. And right. so that's, um, that's when I, I probably – uh, came to the point where I believed, okay, well, it makes more sense now. You can't lose your salvation. Yeah, yeah. Um, because just – this is what I love about scripture is it's, it's so logical for yeah. people who, you know, who, who think the Bible is just a random grouping of stories thrown together. No, the Bible is logical. It makes sense mm-hmm. and your belief system – should make sense. Yeah. And I, I grew up, um, it's funny because I grew up, my mother came from the Salvation Army. Mm-hmm. So, um, oh, sure. offshoot, actually, wow. the Methodist Church was an offshoot mm-hmm. of the Salvation huh. Army. Um, so grew up, um, in, with my mother in that background. My father kind of had a Southern Baptist. Um, we landed in an Assemblies of God mm-hmm. church, which again, big free will and all that. And then, um, went to a Baptist Christian school growing up. So the idea of free will and and losing your salvation was always there. And so the logical consistency just made sense. Yeah. If if you can receive it and accept it, then you can, you can lose it. Right. Right. So, so it just kind of always made sense. And then as I started, like I said, going into the reformed theology and, and looking at that, I had to switch my position yeah. on eternal security because because my position on on the sovereignty of God changed. Interesting, interesting. Um, that was so a little opposite of mine. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't I couldn't justify a person being able to lose their salvation if God was also then fully one hundred percent responsible for their salvation. Which makes me wonder, and maybe you guys can tell me this: Is there any historical little pocket of belief that? Um, God chooses people to be saved and they can lose it on their own. I, I, I'm thinking, I, I've I never, doubt met, it. I've never yeah. met somebody yeah. that's believed it, yeah. but I suppose you could argue, uh, yeah. somebody could say, oh yeah, I think God chooses, but those people that are chosen can lose it themselves. I, I'm just wondering. I mean, yeah, that just popped I, into my head. If, if any of our know. listeners know, if you can find some obscure <laughs> yeah. theologian like with a weird Hungarian name or something right. like that, uh, no offense to any Hungarian listeners. I just pulled that out of thin air because I know we have a massive movement in Hungary um, for our podcast. But uh, just throwing that out. So I, yeah. I'm just saying, you know, it was, um, yeah, consistently speaking, yeah. you would think free will on the front end, free will on the back end, right. God's sovereignty on the front end, God's sovereignty on the back end. Right. Um, so I'll throw this out. I've been, when I've shared with people before that, and I'm, I'm going to share this with the audience as mm-hmm. well. This for me is a struggle mm-hmm. on so many levels because I love, and I think we try to represent it on this podcast, denominational mm-hmm. cross-pollination, fellowship with other people, mm-hmm. different yep. beliefs. If, it, if I'm talking to somebody that, um, whatever, they, they think they speak in tongues, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the whole women in leadership thing, Nathan, that you and I are yep. going to talk about soon, uh, things I feel very passionately about one way or another. Yeah. 
I, I can roll with it, you know. And I, I, there's something, however, to me about this issue that I struggle with, yeah. and maybe it's because I personally just can't understand yeah. how a person isn't falling apart at the seams mm-hmm. if they, in any way, have to keep themselves saved. Yeah, and I, you know, Greg, I was actually thinking about that on the way over here, and I remember growing up how many youth conferences I rededicated my life to God. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I honestly, I think that's where that stems from is that idea of I I've got to be 100%. And, and how many times growing up I said, you know, the, the sinner's prayer over and over again. Right. Right. Um, and, and, as I matured and got older, realizing, um, and we've talked about this before, the fact that I even care about my salvation right. is a sign that I'm saved. Right. You right. know, the fact that I struggle with that and that I don't want to be separated from Christ and his love and, and the glory of God is just is a sign in and of itself that God has kept me and he's going to preserve me to the end. Right. Yeah, well said, Nathan. I've always said the unbeliever mm-hmm. is not up at night, unable to sleep, wondering if their life is ref- is reflecting Christ yeah. enough. Yeah. You know that I, I love sharing that bit of assurance with a person who says, "I, I you know," because and I find it with women. I don't know, Steve, mm-hmm. you ever found this is informal, anecdotal, never uh, you know verified this empirically, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I, a lot of women that I've talked to since I've been a pastor, especially, really struggle with assurance. Um, Lisa, uh, has always struggled with it uh, until more recent years. And I have her full permission to share that. Um, and maybe it's my arrogance and pride to say, I've never struggled with it. <laughs> struggled with many things. I've never really struggled right. with assurance uh, that I can remember, but to say to somebody, right. you're concerned. Yeah. Uh, and I think the portrait of the unbeliever in scripture is that he's not concerned yeah. that he's not up at night wondering, um, you know, am, is my life reflecting the gospel enough? Right. Am I showing that I belong to Christ enough? The, the, that I say the reason that you have this discontent is I'll often say, give me the picture in your mind of the kind of wife or mother or just person you want to be in Christ. They paint it. And I say, okay. And now how va- vast is the gulf between where you are? Where the, oh, my goodness, Greg, it's so big and massive. And then I ask Christian, so where do you think that picture came from? You know, where did you get that idea? You know, because and then I said, do you think the unbeliever has this picture that they're thinking about that is burdening them in any sense? That I would say it's the Galatians five um, seventeen. You know, the flesh is at war with the spirit; the right. spirit at war with the flesh. So we don't do the things we please. That there's this tension yeah. uh, that is actually very reassuring because of the Holy Spirit's presence. But to take that same tension and use it to think. Oh my goodness! I might be drifting so far. Mm. I'm going to fall off the edge. Right concerns me. Yeah, but go ahead. I, I have found, and I wonder if you guys have found. I think, without exception, when someone has come to me and they're concerned, you know, am I really a believer? They've got doubts and they're worried. They are the person that, if they're not a believer, nobody is. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's just that they have such a active or tender conscience, yes. and things aren't all where they ought to be. Well, welcome to the club. Uh, but invariably, I've wanted to say to them, "Man, I mean, you're like my benchmark. If right. you're not a believer, <laughs> where, what am I?" Right. You know? Yeah. Right. Uh, so I, I haven't found people who are people who are really messed up and ought to be worrying don't right yeah right and right and people who are really trying to follow christ closely sometimes do and i would agree with you yeah i think there are more women in that category than than men yeah and part of that might be temperament you know i I have a friend uh my friend todd who was my uh who was the youth pastor at my former church uh he nailed it one night we're just talking about men and women how they're different you know there's a thousand jokes you could make and um he was talking about his wife, Jody, how she was having some trouble sleeping because she's always thinking about the kids, always worrying about, you know, what's coming next, what's happening next. And Todd goes, yeah, I just don't get that. He goes, <laughs> so Jody goes to bed, and if you could see her mind, it's, okay, the kids, okay, this one needs this, this one's got this, this one. Because if you could see my mind, it was like, mm, lasagna. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> was good. <laughs> Pillow soft. Uh-huh. Beer cold. Uh-huh. And then... <sighs> Uh, a man's yeah. mind. Yeah, <laughs> a man's right. mind, a woman's mind. A man's mind. world. Is that part uh, of it, I wonder sometimes, uh, that there probably. is so much more introspection, right. yes. so much more invested concern, and a man can, you know, classic, right. generally we can compartmentalize better and just kind of shut that out and yeah. drift off. But um, So that, that might be part of it. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, maybe there's pressure. You know, I, mm-hmm. um, I know when we had 
Lisa, my uh, wife, and Tracy, Matt's wife, on several months ago for the Pastors Wives podcast. You know, the joke they always make between them is, "Can you find a Christian woman's book that doesn't tell you to get up at five a.m.? <laughs> is, is there yeah, if a you book? Can't buy it, right? Yes, yeah. that doesn't give you the proverbs. A godly woman wakes up at <laughs> right. five a.m. has her forty-five minute devotional uh-huh. before she starts brewing the coffee and, and before the and, babies and, are crying. Exactly, and, yeah. uh-huh. exactly, and uh, you know, so maybe there's some pressure that adds to it as well. I don't know. I think too that um, it, it's interesting because I think in. In America, we have a different mentality as well. I'd be I'd be curious to survey the rest of the world if that was possible, where they do believe in in God's sovereignty, right? You know, beginning to end, it, it is God's sovereignty that even unbelievers believe in the sovereignty of of deities. Yeah, you know, and they are in control, and what they will will, and what they won't won't, and and so there is a different mindset in America that I have to fix myself and I have to be this way. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Now, do we make a distinction? I, I think we do. You guys help me if this is a correct distinction. There are those who believe you can lose your salvation by failing to correctly live the Christian life. You know, you're sinning, you're violating laws, breaking laws, violating your conscience. And then there are those who say, no, 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 you can't lose your salvation for that. But you lose your salvation if you stop believing. Right. Um, aren't there these two views there on are. this issue? Yeah. So yeah. I, I have... Uh, I have a lot more understanding for those who say you can lose your salvation if you stop believing than I have for those who say, oh, man, if you sin, you're going to lose it. Sure. You, right. you guys have probably heard that uh, you know, the Calvinists, we have our tulip, and the Arminians, they have their daisy. Yeah. And the daisy is, he loves me, he loves yeah. me not. <laughs> he loves me, he loves me not. And, and if he loves me not based on, oh, I blew it again, whoa, is me. Yeah. You know, yeah. I am undone because yeah. I'm going to blow it all the time, and yeah. we're all still wrecked this side of glory, this side of death and being with Christ. Uh, so I really feel bad for that group, and I think that group is into some kind of. My opinion is they are into some kind of Judaizing Galatian mm. legalism, right. which I, also my opinion is you can be a real Christian and fall into that. Sure, mm-hmm. like the Galatians were real Christians, right? right. And right. Paul is concerned they're following they're following these Judaizers yeah. and falling for the stuff. So real Christians can fall for stuff that's even heretical, that even yeah. strikes at the heart of the gospel, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so can they be real Christians and believe that stuff? If if you don't live the Christian life correctly, you're going to lose your salvation. I think they can, but man, I feel for them. Yeah. Like if they're paying any attention, they ought to be almost committing suicide a hundred right. times a day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. but then there's this group that says, no, it's just if you stop believing now that's in a sense, I don't know what you think of this. Mm-hmm. That's not that far off from reform theology that says, if you stop believing, yeah, you were never saved. Right, right. In either case, you're not now saved because right, you don't believe, right? right? Uh, yeah. So th- those are closer in one sense, still far apart in another sense. Yeah, yeah no, well said. I, I think the uh, – because I've had some Arminian friends in the past challenge me on the semantical ground sort of saying, well, come on. I mean, at the end of the day, you would just say, well, the faith was never genuine. Yeah. Uh, we would say, oh, no, it was genuine, but it – it withered and died. It fell away. And, of course, then that gets you into the debate of what is the nature of true faith. Yeah. And it really takes you back to the question of is faith a gift, uh, which mm-hmm. is a huge, huge subject. Right. Dave Shive and I got into that a little bit right. in our Calvinism debate, but but not too much. Uh, Dave is the first one, so I want to say on exegetical grounds, I don't think you can prove it from Ephesians 2, mm-hmm. 8 and 9. Uh, the tenses there are, are – are the cases, rather, are different. Uh, the, the, whatever the this is, uh, is not necessarily linked to faith. Mm-hmm. So when it says this is not of ourselves, it's the gift, gift of God, you know, many people say, yeah, that refers back to faith. Not necessarily. I think you could make an argument exegetically that it's the entire process of salvation. That's where I'd go. Right, yeah. that he's saying. So I would say, I, I think faith is a gift in that passage in an implicit sense. Yes. But I don't think we can prove it. Sounds mm-hmm. like you're yeah. saying the same, Steve, yeah. on exegetical grounds. Yesterday in uh, my sermon, it wasn't my intention, but I ended up in Philippians one twenty nine, where Paul says, for it has been granted to you mm-hmm. uh, not only to believe in him, but to suffer with him. I, to me, that's a stronger case, mm-hmm. this idea of being granted, granted. to believe. Second right. mm-hmm. uh, Timothy, where yeah. uh, Paul tells uh, Timothy, you know, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, must be patient with all, uh, gentle, instructing. Uh, and then it's, and now that's about repentance, and mm-hmm. it says that... God may perhaps 
grant repentance mm-hmm. to that opponent. Those are strong terms. So mm-hmm. I tend to take the debate uh, when people go there on the nature of faith, mm-hmm. that the nature of true faith is that God doesn't give a bad gift. Mm-hmm. He doesn't give a defective gift. So that the faith that he gives, which is in dispute to begin with mm-hmm. in those conversations, uh, is a uh, is a faith that endures. Mm-hmm. Um but you're right. Semantically, they might say, "Well, yeah, but we, you know, let me paint you a picture of Joe Schmo. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in seminary with me, and then he became a committed Buddhist, has a Buddhist statue in his house. We all know people Christ. like this, don't we? All of us. Yep, mm-hmm. I, I do. I knew a guy. My former church worked with the youth program. We even had him preach twice in, in mm-hmm. church on Sunday. Very good preacher who, who now professes doesn't believe in anything at all. Mm-hmm. So that raises those interesting questions. Um, but to me, and, and tell me what you guys think. It, it, I've been asked this before, is the belief that salvation can be lost heresy? And I normally say no, but I always want to reserve a category. But it's about as close <laughs> as heresy as anything I can think of that might not be heresy. And that's right. Dutcher subjectivism at work there. Yeah. I can't say where I'm drawing the line there exactly. So I'm going to admit there's an emotional component to this for me. Yeah. There's something about it that to me so radically misunderstands God's lavish grace that it feels like a different faith. See, I would almost take it one step further, Greg. I, to me, I think the front end is more heresy. The mm. free will end is more more of a heresy Interesting. than the back end. Because, yeah. And again, this is coming from not too long ago, I believed free will with everything that I had. Right. Um, you know, and we have several of our good friends on here that, that – believe free will. Right. Um, we mentioned Dave Shive. He makes mm. no bones about it. Yeah. Um, and so to me though, I, I would almost, if we were going to call something heresy, I would call that because you're changing the essence of the gospel. Right. And, and to me, like we talked about in Galatians, you just, you know, if, if there's anything that's going to get Paul's dander up, it's going to be changing the gospel. Oh, yeah. It's going to be adding anything to the gospel and saying that you can do something right. for your faith. Right. Um, so to me, I would almost say that that's the bigger issue and the bigger heresy than than the other end would be. Right. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that, Steve? Uh, I, I don't have any qualms at all about putting it in the heresy category. I, I don't like to throw the term heresy mm-hmm. around easily, right. but I think we have a Galatian Judaizer situation yeah. here, and it strikes at the very heart of the gospel, particularly that, that side of the uh, the group that says, if you're not correctly obeying Christ, you'll lose your salvation. Mm-hmm. That right. They really trouble me. The other side that says, if you stop believing, maybe that's a little better. That is better, I think. But uh, <laughs> you know, if, it, if I'm going to lose my salvation because I growled at my wife, I'm in big trouble. Yeah, right. right? If I'm going right. to lose my salvation yeah. because uh, you know I had a wrong thought or something, wow. Yeah, and and part of that, Steve, isn't it? Because uh, I'm going to come back to something you said, Nathan, yeah. about the the front end too. Uh, in in a moment, if I forget, just remind me, Wesley Provenient Grace, because I've been reading about that uh, the last couple of days. Knowing we were going to talk about this, um, what to me, I want to ask the person is what. So where's your trust? Where's your hope? Yeah. Where does your yeah. hope lie? And I think you even made the point, Steve, that if they really think about what they're saying at a, at a deep enough level, they should never feel assured. Yeah. Because I always ask, okay, it sounds to me like you have so one-dimensionalized what sin actually is that, yeah, I had a good day yesterday. I didn't <laughs> sin. Yeah. Like, what? Good luck with that. I guarantee you sin every second <laughs> of every day. You're sinning right now. Day. You're lying. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, and, and I always go with the omission side, right? I said, look, guys, there were yeah. sacrifices in the Old Testament yeah. for what's called unintentional sins yeah. that still needed sacrifices yeah. to represent the need for uh, atonement, mm-hmm. forgiveness. Uh, these things were taught to Israel early. I mean, to me, one of the most fascinating prayers of Jesus on the cross is, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. Not, right. Father, they don't need to be forgiven since they don't know what they do. Right. He's admitting simultaneously they don't know what they're doing, which probably is the enormity of, of what, you know, the executing the Son of God. But either way, there's something that they were ignorant of, but it doesn't take them off the hook. So that gets you in the realm of omission. And I, I just want to say to somebody, okay, so... Um, Give me the five-minute period of today, this morning, where... <laughs> where you didn't sin. Yeah, huh? and I would uh-huh. say where you, in for five straight minutes, loved God 
with uh, every uh, fiber uh, of your being, uh, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And they start yeah. saying, well... Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it, so in a sense, they, they, they lower the, the bar a little bit. So, well, what I mean you is... Have to. I didn't cuss out my wife. Uh-huh. Um, it's certain sins, right? Yes, there's certain things that are visible, that are demonstrative, and mm-hmm. it's you almost get into a Catholic venial mortal kind of thing yeah. at that mm. point, which I think is bizarre. So I think you... You you have to either so underestimate sin to uh, hold on to this view that yeah I'm I'm doing well I'm I'm cooperating with God in my salvation uh, and I'm doing my part to hold up my end of the deal. Um, so again, one of the things I think I texted you guys this weekend, I make a distinction between just bad theology that mm-hmm. everybody has. You know, I trust 10 years from now, I'll look back at this moment in mm-hmm. time in 2016 and say, yeah, I used to believe this and I, I think I was really goofy on that. Yeah. And I was a pastor and I was discipling people and I was wrong on that just as I look back where I was 10 or 20 years ago and say, yeah, I believe that. So again, I've always said if you could extract from the brain of the thief on the cross yeah. an hour after he professed faith in Christ, sometime mm-hmm. before he died – what his doctrine of the Trinity was, <laughs> what his doctrine uh-huh. of the imputation of Christ's righteousness right. was. Yeah, he's going he's gonna to get a pretty low score, yeah. Yeah. I think we can safely say. Um, we understand that. So there's one sense in which there is some natural junk in yeah. our heads. I'm more concerned, I think that's what you're saying, Steve, with a person who kind of lands in a very settled way yeah. that, oh, no, no, you can lose your salvation. Uh, they uh, just... Go search them on the uh, website. You'll see groups that are talking about the once saved, always saved heretics right. that believe uh-huh. this. So a lot of these guys are biblically knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. They're very settled, and it bothers me. Yeah. I want to be very careful here to not throw stones that I don't know the state of somebody's heart. Yeah. But I'm, I, Now, on the I'm other hand, that, that. that once saved, always saved, yeah. that, that phrase often refers to a uh, – a doctor that says, you know, as long as you've made your profession of faith, yes, you don't right. see any fruit in your life, you don't change, you're not right. following Christ, you don't, whatever. But if you're saved, because once saved, always saved. So I'm not a once saved, always saved guy. I, I would I, I'm agree. a perseverance of the saints guy. I would yeah. agree. And yeah. perseverance of the saints says you will keep on believing, you will keep on right. repenting. Right. I think yes. basically those two things. Right. You keep believing, you keep repenting. And the keep repenting part is... You know, germane to this. Right. What, what do you, you're admitting, I have plenty of sins left in my life, but here's what happens. Yeah. I'm sorry for them, man. Yeah. yeah. And, and well said. I would agree with you, Steve. If the critique of the once saved, always saved is, for lack of a better term, antinomianism, yes. easy believism, yes. then absolutely. Yeah. Right there with them. Sometimes, though, it's used by opponents to yes. anybody that for even believes perseverance of the saints. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, you know, you can't always tell based on what you're reading. But I, I guess I'm just wondering. How do you go to bed at night for people that truly believe? Because to me, this is, I mean, I, I go to bed at night, and if you could extract in my brain, whew, thank you, Lord. I'm in your hands. Love that passage right in uh, John mm-hmm. 10. Yes. In, yes. In, in my hand, in my Father's hand, that double yeah. class. Tight grip. Uh, that nothing can snatch yeah. them. Nothing, Romans 8, shall be able to separate yes. us from the love of God uh, that is in Christ. Uh, all these promises. He who again, began a good work will bring it to completion. Yeah. Philippians yeah, one, same here, brother. Yeah. All these these great promises that are all God's activity mm-hmm. in us, and um, you know, I, I and then here's where I was going to mention Wesley. I think Wesley was a gospel stud, mm-hmm. sure, but I do struggle mm-hmm. with Wesley in that he was so articulate about these beliefs. Hmm. Um, now, Nathan, on the front end, and, mm-hmm. and if we have any Wesleyan Arminian listeners that really study this, they can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I used to study this myself. I think the reason that I'm not as hard, Nathan, on the front end, mm-hmm. but I think you make a very good point, uh, and I, I mean that, uh, is because, as I understand it, Wesley realized, particularly his brother Charles, that there's some kind of problem there. How do you choose Christ mm-hmm. if you truly uh, choose him on your own uh, without attributing some kind of worthiness to yourself, Yeah, mm-hmm. which I think is the thing. As I understand it, his concept of provenient grace, which was kind of poorly based on, I think it's John 1, 9, that he, he translated Christ as the light coming into the world or who lights every man coming into mm-hmm. the world. Um And uh, his understanding of that was, yes, in Adam, because of the damage done by the noetic effects of sin, 
that um, no man can uh, believe yep. on the gospel. He would have agreed with the Calvinists on total depravity. So the question is, well, how does a person choose if there truly is free will on the front end? And he said there's prevenient grace, mm-hmm. which I think of as partial assisting grace. Yes, Every person gets enough grace to make a decision at some point in their life. Mm-hmm. Now, I still don't think that solves the problem he was mm-hmm. trying to solve, but I appreciate that he was trying to solve the problem. Yeah, that's good. Right? You know, that uh-huh. there's a sense in which, okay, I, I, we can't attribute any goodness to us. I think that's the biggest problem with the non-Calvinist position. Uh, I shared that yesterday. I used to get angry with people for not being Christians like I was. <laughs> and I never realized at the time that I was basically saying, there must be something in me. I'm smarter, yeah. Yeah. more spiritually sensitive, intuitive, better than I chose, and he didn't. Uh, I think Wesley did make some attempt mm-hmm. in his belief at bringing the grace of God right. into the arena of making a choice. Yeah. But... Uh, yeah, I still think he was wrong. Uh, <laughs> As a side note, yeah, have you had people? Uh, you know, I mentioned earlier there the people who doubt their salvation invariably seem to be the the most sincere Christians I ever know, and the the most um, careful Christians and following Christ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, have you have you ever had people that you wish you could get them to doubt their salvation? <laughs> like, like I don't think this dude knows Christ. If I could just get him to realize, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Have you yeah. had that? Steve, I have. When you say, yeah. I mean, honestly, I know that's. I don't think I've ever thought of it like that. But you're exactly right. It, it's like they've got enough gospel to be inoculated against the real thing. Yes. And you almost think, dude, like, and I got my hand right on their their wrist, and I'm not feeling any pulse yes, at all. You know, there's, yes. there's no life in them. But well, I believe I'm okay. I think of that as a description of the uh, the churchton, to use kind of a cliche uh-huh. instead of the Christian. Uh-huh. I've met people that. Uh, even all these years of seeing uh, train wrecks in people's lives and false professions and all that, that you meet people and you sometimes are people that might even hold an office or something in the church. Uh, You know, this guy's been here for 30 years and he's been doing this so faithfully and doing that so faithfully. And you talk with them and you're not really ever sure if you hear anything about Christ, anything about the Holy Spirit, Uh love of scripture, the just the life we have together in Christ, mm-hmm. and you wonder, but there's there's such a security there because, well, I mean, look, he's been here for so and so. That that's when I tend to see that. I think of a very churched person. Yes, is that what you're yeah, probably decisioned as a young person or something? Right. Yeah. Right. I, I've actually I've pastored in places, and maybe you have too. I won't name where, but in yeah. the past, where we definitely had officers that I'm trying to find a pulse on their neck and I'm right. trying to find a pulse on their wrist and I'm not finding any pulse at all. Like, wow. the, where is the love for Christ? There's a love for the church. And, yes. You know, I, I love being the budget guy at the church and that right. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But where is the love for Christ and where is their fruit of the spirit in your life? I'm not finding any. Right. And if I could get those people to doubt a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It'd yeah. be good. Now, Steve, why don't we just put it out there. This is an intervention for Nathan. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Nathan, uh, we want to have real drama on this podcast. You're that person. That's right. <laughs> and we, no, no. I, Nathan does know I'm kidding people. I uh, yeah, now that's what, a good point. What happens? So here you have a, a Wesleyan Arminian friend. He loves Christ. He studies scripture real hard, prays his brains out, studies scripture, and he comes out you can lose your salvation. And I'm a reformed guy and I study scripture and pray my brains out or at least part way out. And <laughs> maybe I don't pray as hard as he does because he's worried. Anyway, so I study and pray and I come out, you're reformed. You can't lose your salvation. What's happening there? Well, I think, you know, one is, uh, you mentioned the noetic effects of the fall a moment ago, the mental effects, the intellectual yeah. effects. We can't think very well. We're all pretty stupid. And uh, we can't cut straight courses through through truth. Also, the Bible is a very complex book. God just chose not to make it boring and an outline, yep. a theology outline. Mm-hmm. He chose to make it interesting with all you know, forty authors, two thousand years, and what three continents and all that. So you you get to piece it all together, and it's a study for a lifetime. But uh, I think what often happens is you run into a passage and it convinces you of something. Yeah. And you make it the basis for interpreting all the other passages now. Sure. We know that a good 
Bible study method, a good hermeneutic is you allow the more clear passages to explain the less clear passages, things of that nature. But for some reason, somebody falls in love with this passage, and it seems to them to say, you can lose your salvation. Let's take it like uh, Paul saying to the Corinthians, if you continue, no, it's Colossians, if you continue in the faith. Yeah firmly rooted and established and not moved away from the hope of the, oh, see, you might not continue. Right. You were in it, but you're not continuing. They'll right. say. So they, they make that their dearly loved passage, and now we're going to interpret every other passage in light of it. Uh, some of it's just where you start right. mm-hmm. and the passage you fall in love with first and how you start viewing all other passages in light of it. But, but for me, man, there's just such a preponderance of evidence mm-hmm. that God starts it, God finishes it, mm-hmm. And if it was left to me, woe is me, I'd be lost forever. Yeah. yeah. That uh, I don't have any trouble interpreting the passages right. that yeah. the Arminians like right. in light of the passages the Calvinists yeah. hold to. Yeah. 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 yeah, I think, Steve, to that point, I, th- this is kind of where I look for my unity. I'd love to find it in more doctrinally clear statements from the person that disagrees. But I would, I would just say normally I, I, it's hard for me – I don't know if I've ever met one where I have met a Christian who would say, um, nope, I am saved, not 100% because of God's grace, uh, yeah. but some percentage because of me. Um, I don't know if I've met an Armenian that would say that. Now, I think the reason Calvinists often get frustrated is we sense, but that's what you're really, really saying. saying yeah. But I'm trying to take more assurance that, okay, um, I would view them as being inconsistent when they yes. say, no, salvation is of right. the Lord. Yes. But uh, let me try to give you my complex set yes. of reasons, you know, why uh, I, I am where I am. Okay. Um, so maybe that's some clue into pressing towards unity. I, I, I would have a hard time walking away if a guy said to me, no, I, I'd say God's 85%, I do 15. <laughs> right. I'm walking away really wondering if that uh-huh. guy's a believer. Yeah. Yeah. If he's really Does understood he who Christ is, uh, yeah. how hopeless he was, and what he needed Jesus to do for him. Um so maybe, you know, but it, even that's hard. We're trying to assess the condition of the heart. It's kind of like when I do interviews, if you've ever had <laughs> Steve, of, of kids that are maybe younger than, than I as a parent would choose to let my kids get baptized. Uh, obviously, for uh, Pato Baptist listeners, just hang in, <laughs> hang in there with us Dang. for a minute. Uh, just you put this towards confirmation, we'll be on the same, same plan. <laughs> um, but I uh, have sometimes been in my office with with kids that are, are probably a little younger than than I would let my own kids get baptized and I'm not trying to project a, a, a set age come on Greg what's the age <laughs> come on we all want to hear it now 27 right? <laughs> you're is 26 that's that when she could get married age right, yeah. oh that no that's that's 47 at this point brother older right. than I am um but you know I recognize that a kid is not necessarily going to express uh things in uh you know keeping with the uh, London Baptist confession, mm-hmm. right? You know, they, they might say things. So you're, you're trying to assess the heart. Are they trusting in Jesus? And you want to help them if they're expressing that poorly, saying that, yeah, God and I realize we could, we could save me if he does this and I do this. Not that a kid would say that, but if they said something similar, mm-hmm. you know, you don't immediately say, oh, heresy, this kid can't get baptized. You're trying to sometimes see through the words right. to the heart, which is, a, is risky business. Yeah. But... I would say if somebody is saying, yes, salvation is not 100% God's doing, hmm. I have a real trouble right. a real trouble reconciling <laughs> that with authentic Christian faith. Uh, maybe there is a way. I'm just having a hard time with it. If I was Arminian, I would have to redefine sins, or I would have to make lists of sins and then sins. Big sin, yeah. you know, the mortal and venial thing. Yeah, so sure. It's like you know, if, I, uh, what, if I committed adultery, I could lose my salvation. Right. But if I'm grumpy, oh, I won't lose myself. Right, 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 right. You'd have to like make lists right. of what yeah. are the bad sins and what are the good right. sins, yeah. which is bogus. Yeah. Right, exactly, yeah. exactly. Because you're almost saying, yeah, Christ didn't have to die for that sin as much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you start the getting sins, weird. The sins of the heart are the big sins, aren't yeah. they? Absolutely. So you know, it's pride, it's uh, selfishness. Yeah. How, how did you do with selfishness in those five minutes? Right, right. right. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm very guilty of selfishness all the time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, am I going to lose my salvation over that? I'd be lost. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think the issue is I remember um, teaching, and, and I remember just this section blew up when when I was teaching, and we were talking about the idea of belief and, you know, what is it that you do 
to get salvation? Will you believe? Yeah. Like that is something that is in you to right. do. Right. You know, I right. said, so did it take you, did it take anything for you to accept the fact that there was a continent called Australia? Right. What, what did that take? What did that take on your part to accept that? Right. You know, like there is something in belief hmm. right. that causes that hmm, causes good. you to say, I have to, I, I work for it or I do something right. for it. Well, right. I, I believe that's, right. that's the work that I put into it. Right. Is, is that really, you want to call that a work? Right. Yeah. You know, and, and we would, we would talk about that, you know, like, okay, well, here's, here's a continent in Australia. Why, why do you believe there's a continent in Australia? Well, I've seen it before. So you've actually traveled on a boat and have been there. Well, right. no, you know, I've seen a map of the world and it's there. Okay. So there was an evidence placed before you. And so right. you accept it as fact. Right. So when I place the evidences of Christ before you and you accept them as fact, right. it, it's you believe it or you don't, right. you know, and and so we would talk about those concepts just to try to adjust that thinking that belief really isn't anything, right? I mean, it it it's the main focus and drive, but you doing the believing isn't anything, right? Here is what is placed before you. You choose to accept those as facts or not. You choose to accept what Christ did for you or not. Right. Um, there, there's a phrase Spurgeon used a lot. I believe he would often use this in services, maybe during the. Uh, the time when he didn't give an invitation, but he wanted people to right. you know, uh, close with Christ. And he would uh, quote this. I think it's part of a, a hymn. Nothing in my hand I bring, yeah. simply to thy cross I cling. Mm-hmm. And that's a great description of faith. Uh, there's nothing in my hand. Right. Yeah. It's just, it's faith. Yep. Yeah. I'm not offering anything. I don't have any money here to give. I'm not contributing in any way. It's just an empty hand. Yeah. That's uh, Rock of Ages, Steve, isn't it? Is that Rock in Rock of, of Ages? Me, yeah, nothing in my hand I bring, simply S- to the cross sing I cling. It. Sing it when you do. All right, don't. Okay, yeah, yeah. I will say, dude, if Ratings you're gonna plummet. if you're gonna sing it, uh, uh, look up the Matthew Ward version. Uh, you can find it on versions. on, on know, YouTube man. because versions of Rock of Ages. The the original oh, Rock of Ages is campy, which is why it's often not sung. You know, it's it almost because uh, the words in that song are so beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, it's. Um, Oh, what is it? Foul I to the fountain fly, yeah, wash me savior, or I, I die. die. That's great yeah. stuff. Um, that makes me weep. It's the same here. And it's uh, his version and a few other versions. The the tone of the song matches those words mm-hmm. better. The original Rock of Ages is kind of that, uh, I, I view it the carnival merry-go-round. Yeah, yeah that. You know? uh-huh. Rock of Ages, you know. Um, uh-huh. It's up and down. It's uh, got. We almost got him singing. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to hear me singing. Uh, but it's a, um, although Neil Diamond did sing on our last podcast. Didn't he? Oh, what happened, dude? I lost I was my... just thinking we could have different. Oh, did you just unplug over there? Check. We could have different denominations based on uh, which version of Rock of Ages yeah. they listen to or sing. That's right. See, uh, Steve, you guys just lost me a second. And it, was it was a wonderful. No, second. you lost us. Yeah, we I lost we you. could still hear you. <laughs> it was it was God. Yes, saving our audience when I started to sing. <laughs> they started to sing. Uh, yes, that's uh, that's true. So it is uh, to me a, a struggle, but I recognize there have been these great. Yeah. Men of God in in the past that have believed this, but I guarantee you, you press them, mm-hmm. they will say salvation is of the Lord. Yeah, yeah. and now they'll give you a theology that is more. Yeah, we would call more uh, uh, man centric and, right. and all that. But they, again, I just can't imagine somebody saying, uh, "Yeah, yeah, it's because of me. It's because of what I've right. done, or, or partly because of what right. I've contributed." Um, because then you say, okay, well, how do you find any assurance in that? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, wh- so, when I get that tender conscience woman coming and yeah. crying and saying, I, oh, I don't even know if I'm a believer. Yeah. I don't know if I'm really saved. I like to ask him questions. You were talking about some dialogue you might have with him. I, I like to ask him questions like, well, you know, are you believing in Jesus? Oh, with all my heart. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and and are, are you repenting of your sins? Oh, yes. Yeah. I feel so terrible about Well, What's wrong? (laughs) What else is there here? Uh What what are we missing? Yeah. It's just that easy. You know what? It's true. There's a sense in which you can do the paralysis of analysis thing to the point where you you lose gospel hope. And even the repenting of sins is not 
is not a work I'm checking on. It's right, a, right. It's a fruit. Fruit, absolutely. All right, now I'm juggling terminology a little no, bit. But, but, but yeah. it is a fruit. So I'm looking for fruit. Is there a pulse? Is there evidence that you care about Christ? And yeah. the chief evidence I like is not, are you failing to sin? It's, are you repenting of your sins? Right. Yes. Right? Right. So are you repenting of your sins? Yeah, I'm repenting of all my sins. I hate it. Well, all right, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Yes, yes. Uh, and I think, I, I mean, in, in, you know, kind of throwing this out there, what do we do with friends like these? What do we do with, you know, people when, you know, we get into it? Um, do we kind of ignore it and roll over it and say, well, you know, you believe this, I'm going to believe this. Do yeah. we confront it? I mean, is this something that we should be doing yeah. like Paul does in Galatians? Should we be confronting this when it comes up and, putting them in their place and, you know, whipping out verse after verse after verse, mm. showing them where they're wrong. Mm. How, how should we respond to this guy? Great question. Steve? <laughs> it depends. Mm. I had a lawyer friend in California and he would answer every question with those words. It depends. Uh-huh. He liked to slice it and dice it. So it depends what's going on in that person and uh, how I think our relationship is and how they might respond to it and whether they're willing to really open up a lot of scriptures and look at them or maybe it's a different need that they have. Maybe it's just that they're really failing at something and I need to help them get a grip on that thing they're failing in and try and get some victory going on in their life. Yeah. So it's a, it depends a lot. Well said. You agree? I completely agree. Yeah, I think um, generally, you know, uh, I think most people know this. If you're on an online forum, I think it's a waste of time. Uh, you've got people one-dimensionally representing a position, and you're going to lob that. I, I, I've never been on an online forum where I've seen a person, wow, thank you, random 17 users, for changing my, my conviction on this subject. So, I, I mean, to me, if you go to learn, to, to get a sense where people are coming from, it's good. But always relationally, mm-hmm. uh, I think, to engage. And I think you're right, Steve. It could be for a variety of different reasons. And I, I think if you're in a discipling relationship, uh, with that person, you, you've got just a yeah. slam dunk. Go you, for it. To be able to share it in a joyful way. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. you know what? I mm-hmm. I used to feel the same way. Let me show you something that helped me. Uh-huh. And let me show you something that really brought encouragement to my life when I realized, uh, you know, it's the old, what what John Newton uh, was alleged to have said, right? When he was dying, his memory was fading. He said, all I really remember is that I'm, I am a great sinner and Christ is a great savior. Uh-huh. You know, just those powerful motivating wow. stories from the past to be able to share that i think sometimes you have to be maybe a little more polemic and and combative in your approach if you sense that uh maybe there's somebody in your church or circle of christian friends that is kind of being evangelistic about this belief that's mm-hmm. bad and harmful and i think in those situations you might have to get a little bit more um in somebody's grill, so to speak, and and challenge. But I, I so do think it depends. That's a bit of a side topic, but I'll go there for a second. Uh, have you had to stop people who are in your church or they're hanging out at your church from spreading a doctrine? I sure have. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I've had to like corner them and say, hey, not here, brother. Yeah, absolutely. You, you must stop. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I think that. How did they respond? Not good in my case. Poorly. Yeah, that's right. Because yeah. <laughs> they're there on a mission. Yeah, they think very, they're right. Uh-huh. Very poorly. Yeah. Um, it sort of reminds me, uh, have you ever had this, Steve? Lisa laughs at this all the time. I'll preach something. Uh, like when I went through Mark a few years ago, and Mark 13 is uh, the Olivet Discourse. Uh, and I knew that was going to be, wow, you know, going through Mark, have to go through it, end times mm-hmm. stuff. I'm much more preterist in my view that the, the bulk of that, there might I leave some room for some potential future fulfillment. My view is very much that the the bulk, if not all, of what Jesus was describing was fulfilled in 70 A.D. when Jerusalem was uh, destroyed. Future hot topic, dude. Yeah, that would be fun. We've never really wow. touched I remember that the, one. Uh, yeah. never really touched the eschatology thing. Now, I, I feel like I went out of my way to, to say, hey, you know, let me tell you, this is a passage among many that good, solid Christian people have never found consensus on. Um, the goal was not that every person in this church feels the same way about this passage. Let's look at it. Let's examine it. And if it drives you to study it more and look at scripture more, so be it. Uh, you know, tr- nice. tr- try, it's the, the way I generally try to approach this passage. But I, at the same time, said I'm not a seminary professor. I feel pastorally I have to kind of pastor the church through this passage. Mm-hmm. So I am going to give you my view and what I truly believe in my heart it believes and open myself up to you. Try to cover all the bases. Mm-hmm. Um 
And, uh, you know, every so often that happened then, uh, somebody will give me uh, a book. And, uh, you, Pastor, you've, you've just got to read this book. And it's, uh, you know, Daniel 70 weeks or something like it's that. Gonna it's going to change you. It's going to uh-huh. change. And Lisa, like, she sees it on the kitchen table and goes, what is this? <laughs> so-and-so gave me the book. And she always says this, and I, I'm appreciating it more. Would that person respect me if the very next week I should – Brother so-and-so gave me this book, and I just want to retract my entire three weeks huh. in, in Mark 13. You know what I mean? There is a sense mm-hmm. in which it's weird – which I think is a deeper issue, mm-hmm. and I think that there is a a sense that the pastor is a speaker, and I want him to be motivationally uh, 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 motivational. I want him to be interesting, uh, and I'm really going to like him when everything he teaches is in total agreement with what I already believe. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, he's not. Oh, I need to fix that that right. speaker, meaning almost like a wireless speaker that's putting the wrong output out there i need to fix it so i'm going to give him the book it's a weird dynamic yeah. i'm not saying and i want people to hear my clear don't give me a book don't give me a thought but sometimes it's more the tone you you obviously got this wrong you you need to read this mm. book if get the book cost you 25 bucks i'd prefer you just give me the 25 uh, that's bucks. what i <laughs> say uh-huh. and another quick aside of that i want to say i am now telling people particularly since i'm so disorganized hey greg here's a book and then three weeks later oh i need to get that book back uh-huh. like, i tell people I'll, I'm happy to take your book, but if you're just loaning it to me, I don't want it. Yeah, you know, I, I'll come to you if I want that book, but don't give me that book because uh, you're never going to see it again. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I've good. generally told people uh-huh. that that's happened to me a lot, is that, yeah. that, where people almost force a book on you uh-huh. and then want it back. Why well, ask him? Is your name in it? Right. Because right. I forget who gave it to well, me. Same here. Really. Same but here. More and more, I just say you know thank you, but I got a lot of books I want to read here. right now. And, same here. Uh, yeah. yeah. Put them off. Not just books either. People, oh, it just drove me nuts last week. People sent me email after email and Facebook message after message with links that I had to watch. You had to watch. Or yeah. I had to read. And it's always a 12-minute video. Yeah, one guy sent me like four of them, <laughs> you know, whole sermons or something. Like, you got to listen to these. Yeah. Oh, spare me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The I life know. of a pastor. Huh? I know. It's You know it's well intended. Yes. But, yeah, I love um, you, brother, but. Yeah, I'm. I'm. <laughs> I, I would say that has happened before, and you do have to confront. And uh, normally, what that t- I do think you have to confront it, but it's almost like a, a person who's at that point that's spreading a doctrine through the church with a lot of passion is almost admitting on the front end, yeah, that the church is getting this wrong. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I'm here to straighten you out. I don't think they tend to be receptive. Yeah, to the pastor's insight and counsel mm-hmm. to begin with. Yeah, so it tends to be a mess, but. I, I more view it, you do it mm-hmm. for the sake of the people that are being affected, yes. probably than the person yeah. doing Absolutely. it. Yeah, yeah and I, I mean, just to kind of round things off, we're you know, running out of time here. I would say, you know, never go to a church to fix doctrine. Yes. Yeah, never Great go point. to a church to fix doctrine. Greg and I have talked about this, you know, before. I have... I have different views than this church has on women in ministry. Greg and yep. I, as Greg said, we are going to be talking about that. Yep. But other than... A few private conversations that I've yeah. had with people, I've not gone around trying to convince people on my view because that's not my role. If it was really that big of a deal to me, guess what? I'd be going to a Wesleyan church exactly. or, a, or exactly. a Salvation Army church or something where that was an important yeah. issue to me because my job isn't to go in and try to fix things that are going on. Right, right. If if I feel that what is happening here is, you know, these people are leading the church, then I'm going to submit myself under that and I'm going to learn from them. And it's okay to have different views. Right. Um, so, yeah, just don't don't go trying to fix things. Yeah, yeah that's good churchmanship right yeah. there. Good advice. I agree. Well uh-huh. said. I, I would uh, uh, even say one step further on it, Nathan. Mm-hmm. I've told people before, like, um, it, this could be anything. It could be charismatic mm-hmm. distinction, Calvinism, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'll often say you have to determine, yeah. like uh, mm-hmm. in this church in particular, that mm-hmm. tends to be a little more broad, yep. maybe on this issue, charismatic mm-hmm. uh, distinctives are one that will come up sometime. I'll say, you know what? There's two kinds of charismatics, it, 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 for my analogy. Sure. And I could say this about two kinds of paedo-baptists, two mm-hmm. kinds of premillennialists. You could fill in the blank. I'll say there's the kind that can be in this church and the kind that can't. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'll say the kind that can be in this church understand, hey, I might be in a minority, uh, but mm-hmm. they're cool with that. Yeah. Nobody's going to be beating down the door to change my view on this and say, right. you have to immediately give this up or, or, you know, this or that. Or there's the type that it's so important to them mm-hmm. that they feel that it has to drive them 
to make an impact with that view on the church. And I'll say, if you're of that stripe, yeah. this is probably the wrong church yeah. for you to be in. Uh, God bless you. Find a church where you're going to find a lot more, um, you know, resonance on that and serve and, and plug. They're so, probably going to find it hard to find any church that they like because they're going to have some issue. Some, everywhere Because they, they're yeah. just quirky people. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And it's almost like I've God said, loves quirky people. I struggle with them myself. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that bumper sticker. I have to say it is brilliant when it says. Jesus loves you. Everybody else thinks you're <laughs> yeah. stopping there. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I actually drove by a guy on that one time. Jesus I think he was shocked. You. I'm not Jesus. And I yeah. told him, I said, hey, man, I'm a Christian, but you know what? I agree with that bumper sticker because <laughs> I'm probably that guy a lot of times, you know, just to kind of shock him into that uh-huh. yeah. and say, probably everybody does think it. Thank God Jesus loves me. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, that's a that's, a, that's funny. <laughs> Got to be a carefully used quote. <laughs> that's <for> right. Sure. <laughs> Yeah. Well, guys, it is our first podcast of 2016. Yes. We're going to go ahead and sign off now. Confetti. We just rocked the Casper. Rocked it. These guys are 11.